Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. My guest today is my dear, dear friend, Maureen Ahmad, and she's here to talk about the book that uh, she collaborated with, Send in the Ark, and she's also going to talk about her annual peace conference, which will be done online this year. So you've had a busy couple of months, Maureen. Tell us yes. a little bit about your book. Well, um, I, I think we may have chatted a little bit about it um, previously, Cynthia. Um, basically, for uh, since the late 90s, uh, when John Amidon started the Kateri Peace Conference, um, there's been a mm-hmm. peace conference in Fonda, New York, and it's drawn many um, amazing, incredibly inspiring definitely fully committed peace activists and justice activists to Fonda over the years. And so a few years back, in a conversation um, between John and Steve Brayman, who is a RPI uh, emeritus uh, professor, um, uh, we, we thought it might be interesting to play with the idea of, of um, having a, writing a book so that ultimately some of the energies and ideas and passion and commitment that were in evidence every year in Fonda could kind of live on a different platform and be spread a little bit far uh, far and wide. Um, and mm-hmm. so we came up with the idea that um, the personal would be a powerful way um, for uh, for people to access why some people, you know, devote themselves and commit themselves um, to peace in, in uh, very dynamic ways. And so we reached out and invited a number of the speakers from years past um, to see if they'd be interested in writing a chapter. And we gave them all um, a common framework. And the framework was essentially to tell us, first of all, about why it was that they became an activist. What were the forces? What were the influences? Was it family? Was it uh, religion? Was it education? Was it personal? I mean, some people they met what what um invited them into um this kind of commitment and then mm-hmm. um basically what what were the issues that they have been involved in in their work over the years and what was their vision for where we were our future um and so the result was really wonderful autobiographical essays by 15 people who um we were uh lucky enough to have come at one point in time or other to Fonda. Um, and uh, b- basically that is the, that, the result is uh, the book Bending the Ark, Striving for Peace and Justice in the Age of Endless War. Um, so it was Steve Raymond, John Amidon, and myself uh, served as editors. And um, mm-hmm. we began the book with a little bit of the history of the Kateri Peace Conference in Fonda to kind of provide context um, for um, for these for these essays, um, and so we we kind of shopped it out, and SUNY Press agreed to publish it. So we're wow. really excited. It's um it's uh, right now it's uh, it, it's it's in a pre-sale state, um, and we still have some pre-sale copies that we would be happy to share with people. But it goes um, on up on Amazon Live uh, uh, on August first. And available through SUNY Press also, so that's kind of the story of uh, of the book. And I and again, um, 
you know, you try to be objective about something like this, but I I worked on the index for the book, which meant that I needed to keep revisiting the essays, and I have to say that I am inspired over and over again by them. Um, so so that that's the story of the book. Um, and, Cynthia, you mentioned the conference, this year's conference. We decided it would be kind of a celebration of the book. So mm-hmm. the title of the conference is the same as the book, Bending the Ark. And um, because of the situation this year, we decided it would need to be a Zoom conference. And we were very lucky. David Swanson from World Beyond War, who is also one of the essayists in the book, um, mm-hmm. agreed to uh, offer to actually to host on his Beyond World Beyond War site um, where, and platform, Zoom platform, um, the conference. So that's really exciting because it allows people from this area who might have come to the Fonda conference and the, the region, the kind of northeast region that we, we tended to get people from, to join people from all over the country. And, in fact, um, David's reach is global, so maybe people from other parts of the, of the, of the globe. That's um, great. It's a large platform. So it's kind of exciting. It's a, a different way to present the conference. And just about every one of the um, authors has agreed to present. So the conference will be um, – will you know have have all of these voices in the book um sharing a little bit of of you know who they are and what they believe and why they act the way they do um there'll be some opportunity mm-hmm. for question and answer in a with a large zoom audience it'll be um you know the moderators will take questions and share and uh, there are some panels that are set up after the presentations that will pull together a number of uh, a couple of times during the day, a number of the presenters, and they will have an opportunity to kind of respond and, and interface with the audience. We also decided to keep the same framework we always do at the conference, which is on Friday to hold during the day a retreat of sorts. Uh, it came, it became clear over the years that because so often we were dealing with really difficult geopolitical issues at the conference that having a place for people to kind of get a grounding, a peaceful grounding was important. And, you know, the setting, the Kateri Shrine in um, in Fonda was very uh, verdant and outdoor, and, you know, it just was a perfect place. So we added a kind of retreat. We've had different um, – um, we've had leaders to retreat re- – leaders um, representing – many different kinds of faith traditions, um, and uh, one of them is returning. She also also is an author in the book, uh, Reverend Felicia Parasader, um, who began a, a non-denominational church, The Revolution of Love, in L.A. So she's going to be um, presenting a, a kind of journey motif um, retreat on Friday during the day, and in the evening... Um, Steve Brayman and Felicia are going to be running the open session. And, um, Cynthia, I need to be honest. Um, we've already received a critique for someone whose opinion I value, um, and we mm-hmm. kind of anticipated in planning the conference that this would be a critique and a valid one and one that we've always been concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, the conference wasn't attended by um, people of color, and, and we did try to uh, – often address the racism issue the kind of the kind of a pillar of this conference that's evolved is dr martin luther mm-hmm. king's beyond vietnam speech where he talks about the triple um evils of racism material excessive materialism and militarism so i mean that was always front and center but not in a way where we felt like we drew 
um, audiences that that would really be diverse. Um, and a couple of years ago, we really addressed that, I think, pretty powerfully, but the book was already in process. So there's no voices representing um, that kind of diversity, um, racial diversity. And um, we feel that that's, you know, that, that, that is reflective of uh, the history, I guess, of the conference, but not of our mm-hmm. desire. So Friday night, we're going to try to address that front and center, and we're going to talk about the relationship between um, the racial justice movement and anti, the anti-war movement. And Steve Raymond mm-hmm. and, um, and Felicia who is dealing with these issues and, and educating herself um, very um, aggressively uh, for her community in Los Angeles, will be leading um, that um, that session. Um, and the other the other uh, critique was that um, there are more men than women um, writers in the book, but there are incredible, powerful, brave, committed, amazing women represented. So I I think in a way that's unfair. Um, I. I think we tried to pull from a diverse kind of uh, activism. We have scholars um, who have led, you know, missions to countries that, uh, you know, in the hope of preventing war. We have, you know, grassroots activists. Um, We have writers. We have uh, religious people whose activism has turned to a kind of spiritual um, place. So so, um, anyway, I, I just thought I should be upfront about that. And, Ultimately, hopefully, hopefully we can address that and we move forward. And um, I'd love to see a volume two of Bending the Ark, um, where we could include new voices. So, um, so I've, I've, um, hopefully, I've, I've answered your questions. That was, you know, I was thinking about the as you were talking uh, over the years. You've had many um, guests, and I'm sure not all of them haven't have been included in the book. So That's I think right. I think a multi volume book is almost imperative at this point in time. Would you agree? Well, that's, that's, you know, that's great, and we've thought about that, and I think we now we now know how to do it. So I guess part of that's going to depend on the sale. So um, we are hoping, uh-huh. and, and not simply because we want to sell the books, but because the whole point of doing this book was to um, to spread these voices far and wide. I mean, my vision for the book as a former um, educator and librarian who tried to work with teachers and students to find material that would really enrich curriculum and put learning on its feet. Um, A book like this with all of these dynamic voices, I think, um, can provide an incredible tool for teachers, both from a, you know, like we conceived of this as 20, early 21st century activism, a kind of a history. Mm-hmm. Here's a snapshot mm-hmm. of, of that. But also, I envision it, and I'm so hoping we could find that as a venue in the avenues to get the book into the hands of, say, peace studies programs, academic programs, so that um, people who are studying um, peace um, and have made that choice uh, in, in college and university might have in hand these very inspiring voices as kind of models or um, platforms that they themselves can go out into the world from. So, I mean, selling the book is really important, and if we can get that kind of interest generated, then hopefully we might convince somebody, if we can pull up the energy to do it, um, to uh, to do another volume. Because, yes, we couldn't have everyone. Uh, some of the people we outreach to 
are aging, they weren't well, they weren't able at the moment mm-hmm. to write an essay. I mean, the, the reasons are endless, and um, the possibilities are also for voices to have been included. So, you know, you kind of uh, look at the book a little ruefully and say, well, I wish there was also a piece by, and I wish there was also a piece by. But hopefully it'll have legs. Uh, I had this great email. I, I was part of an email uh, conversation going on last night. Um, one of the writers in the book, uh, Ann Wright, who uh, whose story is, is amazing, a former U.S. Uh, military colonel and uh, longtime foreign service diplomat stationed all over the world in U.S. embassies, um, who's become an incredible peripatetic all over the world peace uh, activist, um, was online talking to, making the point that one of the chapters by uh, uh, now deceased uh, Blaise Bonpin, who the book is dedicated to, who led this amazing uh, international peace march in the 80s in Latin America. I mean, just a daunting task as you read the telling of it. Um, Anne has participated in some global peace march efforts, and she was kind of reaching out to other people she knew who had also participated, saying, you know, we could actually write a book about these marches, you know, and compare them and, and, you know, talk about the processes and the experiences. So that's very exciting, you know, like the book could kind of spawn other books. Um, So anyway, I'm obviously excited about the book and eager to figure out as many ways as possible um, to to share it. And and thank you for giving um, us the platform to do it on on your show. Maureen, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. So let me ask you this. You talk about you know, the people in your book and what inspired them to get involved in social activism. What made you get involved in social activism? Mm, thank you, Cynthia, for asking that. Um, I, 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 John and I each wrote a chapter detailing the history of the conference. and In a way, I, I think I answered that question in my chapter, um, introductory chapter uh, to the book. I... Um, you know, I always thought that I was a peace activist. I had spent my youth, my youth um, quoting a, an old film, um, in in the convent, uh, and at a time when there was great uh, change in uh, visionary thinking on the part of uh, the Catholic Church, and, I, and a number of the writers in this book were actually, I think, inspired by by that shift in vision of the absolute imperative nature of uh, involvement in the world from a social justice, uh, mm-hmm. peace and justice perspective. So that that certainly shaped my thinking. And, um, you know, when I was a kid, I, I received Catholic worker newspapers. I su- subscribed to it. So I had this kind of orientation to, to people who were speaking about peace activism. But when 9-11 happened, I realized that um, that my, I guess, commitment was, in a sense, lackadaisical. I kind of thought post-Cold War that we were moving in this very positive um, direction and there was this kind of orientation to peace. And 9-11 was this kind of wake-up call to me that there was so much about the world I didn't understand and there was so much imperative to work for peace. And so that kind of set me on a quest and ultimately... Um, made me aware of the amazing people in our own area. I mean, there are people in this book from far and wide, but in our own area, there are people who have 
really been working and not in a kind of lackadaisical way the way I felt that ultimately I had been, but really had been working for peace and justice their entire adult lives. And just being able to meet those people was inspiring and realizing that um, we had an imperative and the right as citizens to speak out, to critique when we thought um, our government was going in the wrong direction, um, to work with others, to step into the streets in peaceful protest, um, to write. I mean, that, that, that was a right and, a, and, and, and an obligation, I guess, of citizenship. So that kind of, in summary, I guess, is kind of where I, I came from. But I, as I said, I mean, so many people have literally given their entire adult life to this quest in ways amazingly costly and um, at the same time really inspiring and life-affirming. Out of, uh, you edited, edited the book, and there were, you said 15 people that you wrote about? Right? 15 people who wrote write, wrote their own stories, yes. Right, right. Out of those 15, which one moved you the most? Which one did I like the most? Yeah. Cynthia, that's like asking which child do you love most? <laughs> They're all, <laughs> I, I just find them all intriguing because they're all here was here's the thing that I loved about what the result was with these essays. We asked the same question. Everybody had to respond to the same questions. But responses are all unique. There were things I found out um that I just were would found to be fascinating. Like Ed Kinane is a um committed uh peace and justice activist who lives in Syracuse, who's come and spoken, very involved uh currently um, with um, the anti-drone work at Hancock. But when he was a young man, he ultimately backpacked all over Africa, ended up liking Kenya, stayed there and taught in this um, Quaker school that was, you know, in the bush somewhere, had these amazing experiences trying to, uh, or, or working with young people who were just hungry to, try out their English and, and to um, to think. And, you know, I mean, just stories like that that were really, um, you know, like a revelation. I didn't know anything about that in his life. So, I mean, things like that, those kind of surprises. Um, the Reverend Chris Antel, who has had a very interesting life, um, the, the the kind of paths of that his peacemaking and his desire to be a peacemaker in the world that started as a young person, took him on. He was part of the um, the uh, Unitarian, or not Unitarian, but um, the, uh, the, the, the the Church of, oh my goodness, now I've lost the correct name, uh, the, the Korean-based um, uh, church. Oh, so sorry. Um, but anyway, he, we, you know, people called, uh, used the term Mooney's terrible, I am sure, um, but anyway, he became because of this, the idealism he felt in the, what he saw there, because it was born that the church movement was born of a desire to create coalition among nations which were traditionally at war. Um, so he was drawn to that, and I mean the kind of um, up and down, you know, movement of his life that's kind of ultimately led him to the military as a chaplain, where he was ultimately dismissed. Um, from his post in Afghanistan because he spoke out about the, the drone war and, and the, um, you know, the, the, the kind of a quagmire that his troops were finding themselves in spiritually. 
and then ultimately resigned his commission because of because of increased drone warfare, warfare during the Obama administration and ultimately became a unitarian minister because of that community's deep commitment to peace. I mean, that, that the kind of like interesting pathways that people take. So I don't love any of them more, but um, I am fascinated by all of them. Ian Wright, who was, a, as I said, a military colonel who ends up being a, a, just one of the most amazing uh, global hopping workers for peace um, that uh, on the planet. I mean, and then, you know, our friends, you've had Kathy Kelly on, on um Nick Motern, who went to Vietnam gung-ho in the um, early 60s, you know, kind of looking for adventure and, as he said, beautiful Asian women and, you know, ultimately was, you know, had his whole sense of um, of the world and of uh, militarism just totally um, transformed through the experience. I mean, I could go on and on. So. I don't love one better than the other, but um, they are all, I think, fascinating. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I I probably should mention how people can get information about um, the conference and the book. Um, As I said, World Beyond War is platforming this year's Terry Peace Conference, and it will be held as it has always been held on the um, third weekend of August, so this year that's Friday the 21st of August and Saturday the 22nd. Um, mm-hmm. The information will be is available on the worldbeyondwar.org website under events. Mm-hmm. It's a paid event in the sense that we are asking for donations and um, that there's a range of possibility and or the possibility of coming simply because um, you want to and, and right now uh, paying is not um a very uh, useful way for you to access the the conference. But worldbeyondwar.org, under events, it's the Kateri Peace Conference, Bending the Arc. Um, So information will be there. Also, um, there should be a link there. Um, SUNY Press has agreed to offer a 30% discount um, to anybody who uh, registers for the conference, to the book, and there'll be a code that will be active for um, a month after the conference on that site. So that will be one way to to um, receive the book. The book will be up on August 1st on Amazon, again, under the title, Bending the Ark, um, Striving for Peace and Justice in, the world, in a World of Endless War. Um, so it will be purchased, could be purchased through Amazon. It's You can purchase the book through um, the um, SUNY Press website. And we still have some pre-sale copies available. And so someone interested could contact me at A-U-M-A-N-D-M-A-U-R-E-E-N at Gmail or John Amadon, who also has copies for sale, and that's J A J A J A one two three four at gmail dot com. So um, the book is available in a number a number of uh, ways, and people con- if they contact me, I will um, let them know how to um, order a book. Um, and uh, again, the conference website KatiriPeaceConference dot org is about to go live for this year. Um, that's K-A-T-E-R-I-P-E-A-C-E, conference, one word, well, the three words, one word, 
um, dot at excuse me um, excuse me dot com dot org. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. So Kateri Peace Conference dot org. Um, that should be live with the schedule. Um, the schedule for the conference for the two days of the conference will be is up on World Beyond War dot com. Mm-hmm. So um, there are a number of ways to both access the conference. And again, like any Zoom conference, people can come in and out. We'll have music to provide for some moments of peace and relaxation or a break. There's a lunch break on Saturday. Um, so people can get information about the conference as well as the book um, in all those ways. So, so um, th- thank you for letting me go on about that. No problem. Um, so, John. What gave John the idea to create a peace conference? And how that is a great question started? because that that's another you know question that answers your question about what was fascinating in this book to me. John had a dream. You'll have to read his introductory chapter to get this fleshed out. At a certain point in his life, probably you know like early nineties, and it was his. He said, I think he said, fifth grade teacher. And she kept saying in the dream, and it was a repeating dream, I can't get this man to learn Spanish. I can't get this man to learn Spanish. So because he kept having this dream, he said, I guess I better learn Spanish. So he started to go to Guatemala in the summers, the winters, I guess, to learn Spanish. And out of that, he became very aware of the upheaval in Latin America and um ultimately became very aware of the um of the uh the movement the um movement ag- against the School of the Americas the School of the Americas watch wow. um School of the Americas was associated with Fort Benning Georgia mm-hmm. um and a lot of Latin American um death squad leaders and leaders who were practicing terrorists against segments of their own population had been educated in techniques um, in, in the United States at the uh, School of the Americas. So there was this huge effort um, led by um, Father Roy Bourgeois, who had been in Latin America um, and, you know, very aware of, of the horrible impact. Um, he had began, began this movement, and it really drew many, many people every year to um, Georgia. Many people were being arrested, sent to federal prison mm-hmm. for their um, nonviolent actions, and and John became aware of that and, you know, conjoined that with his own experiences of after being in Guatemala, leading peace marches, actually, in Guatemala, um, and talking mm-hmm. to the victims, and you know, whose villages had been pillaged and destroyed. And so that just made him alive with this fervor to bring that information um, to the to, to uh, the United States. And so he had this kind of very logical thought that um, they were the indigenous people who were essentially being um, terrorized and murdered and brutalized in uh, many of the Latin American countries. Um, And so he thought the indigenous people in our region might really be a kind of uh, brotherhood, create a brotherhood base for speaking about this. So he approached the Franciscan uh, fathers who were running the uh, Fonda Peace, or, or find a, a shrine dedicated mm-hmm. to Terry Tekwitha, and uh, coincidentally, the priest who was in charge at the time had been 
in Latin America and was very aware of of what was happening, and so he saw the um, the connection readily. And so, mm-hmm. and and the other thing um, John thought was because these indigenous people were often Catholic, that there would be an alignment. And so he began the conferences with peace marches, um, mm-hmm. and um, and peace walks, and uh, basically, you know, rallies in Albany at the Capitol mm-hmm. where peace, these peace walks ended. And out of that evolved this kind of base, you know, like instead of a a a, a walk, let's have a conference. And as Situations in this country post nine eleven evolved. The topics evolved. Our time is up. So you have been listening to Maureen Amon. This is focused on Albany. If you like this show, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Maureen, it's always such a wonderful pleasure to talk to you. Have a great weekend, and thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Cynthia, for your work, tireless work.